Hello, folks. This is Nathan from Utility Muffin Labs. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcasts, Nerd Words, and 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I wanted to take a couple of seconds to let you know about some of the ways we are trying to fund our podcasts. First, we have a GoFundMe so that we can replace our broken down old computer. Check it out at www.gofundme.com forward slash help dash keep dash the dash labs dash running. Or click the link on any of our recent podcasts on utilitymuffinlabs.com. Speaking of our website, you'll notice that we've added some Amazon and drive through RPG banners to our site. In addition, our newest VTM25 posts will have links to purchase the books that we talk about. Using those banners and links to buy those books helps us tremendously. Give them a click and help us earn a little bit. Lastly, we've recently set up a Patreon page. We've got a few rewards for our patrons so far, and we plan to bring more as time goes on. Visit our website for the link or go directly to patreon.com forward slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you for your continued support, and let's get to the show. Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective, presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome once again to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I, of course, am Nathan. And I am, of course, am Er, Er, I'm Bob. And uh, today we're going to be reviewing... A hidden gem in the early releases of the clan books for Vampire the Masquerade. We're going to be reviewing clan book Gangrel. And uh, full disclosure here, I don't recall ever reading this book uh, when it was released. I don't think I ever read the Gangrel more than the description in the main rule book. And... Uh, I did read the revised. Uh, revised was where I basically got got the start but uh when before revised came out i think like bruja melkavia nasferatu like a lot of the other clans were more my tempo and clan gangrel was not but i have Ooh. since read it i have consumed it and i have to say i'm quite pleased with what i've read i i have to say this i was rather upset when we went through our library and it's hard to keep track it's not hard to keep track of all the books because they're on the shelf but i have very magpie like friends when they come over and when we're announced we're running a game everybody borrows a clan book and goes home and then normally i trust that it comes back usually i'm right on but apparently at some point i had some well magpies a murder of them maybe uh came came <laughs> over and they were like oh yeah sure we'll borrow this book and bring it back and never showed back up yeah i couldn't find the actual physical book uh again all the revised books are there vast majority of the the first slash second ed books are there Couldn't i know find i bought a physical mine copy i know i had to buy mine from drive through rpg uh, yes yes actually if you look at the records i may have very recently purchased it so and this isn't to say that we don't have like funny enough we have all the revised material in triplicate oh we've we've got tons of duplicates and not so much on maybe some of those old uh but it was less due, used books correct but it was due to the fact i know why we did is because when i went through i got tired of all my books growing legs yeah right and that's and that's the thing so here, here's the unspoken rule gamers are normally very trustworthy people a lot of our friends are but then there were that there's that element when you have games of upwards of 70 to 100 plus people there's no way all of them are not 
not a not all they can't all be good apples is that right, simple right and and also you know for those of you that uh dwell in a pretty consistent gaming community people borrow books and you forget about them and that's why we instituted the library system so for those of you who don't know our library our library system uses a pdf um i said pdf <laughs> i said literally said pdf we uses a tablet and uh, what we do is instead of a friend we watch them we're like oh we're getting a book we literally tell them, cool, your name's going in a device, right. noting the date and time you were borrowing yeah. said book. We, we have a tablet that is attached to our wall. And right. in the this... note system, we notate everyone who borrows a book. And when they bring it back, we check them back in. <laughs> kind of like a library. Like a, no, exactly like a library. <laughs> Has to be done. We're not exaggerating when we say that the collector library I have uh, here, uh, we have here, is extensive. So the only, only thing that we regret, honestly, is that we have... I said honestly, like I'm lying to you. But yeah, anyway, like normally he's not telling the truth. Right, but. like normally. But I, no, just all this is bullshit. Let's just get to the Giggle Clan book. Let's just get that going. <laughs> so uh, I have one question first before we get started. Uh, this is a good question that was sent to us from our website from Oliver Sweet. Oliver Sweet says, hey, first off, real big fan of the show. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've sporadically messed with many tabletop games over the last 20 years, and Vampire the Masquerade is the one. I'll always hold close. So it brings uh, me a lot of joy to tune in and hear some folks with so much love for it as well. So thanks. Okay, my question for you guys. How have you handled storytelling slash role-playing the process of learning a new, a new discipline? Primarily, I'm talking out of clan through a mentor and their relationship with their pupil. But also, even just uh, the acquisition of an additional dot in a known discipline seems as though it could be a great scene slash ripe with discovery, uh, mania and or horror, something my ST in the past has glossed over, likely due to time constraints moving the story along, or mayhap he was uh, uh, lost as I am now on how to approach it. I realize there are many variables here, though any recollections from past encounters or recommendations for supplemental material are greatly appreciated. Thanks again. So basically, how do we role play yep. or storytell the learning of a new discipline, whether it's in clan or out of clan. How about a sample? Um, give me randomly, Nate. Give me a. We're gonna let Nate screw me up here. Give me try to, try to give me a discipline. How to player learn it? I would like you to teach me a new level of dementation. Okay, so dementation would mean, and it doesn't have to be from a Malkavian, right? But let's for this. It, it you probably give me a give me what clan to what vampires teach me. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm Clan Gangrel. Okay. My name is uh, Dr. Raul King, yep. and I'm learning it from my Malkavian friend. All right. So the Malkavian mentor, first off, we got to understand dementation with that clan, right? You have to underclaim the clan you're portraying and make sure you hit all the hot points uh, of the character as you made them. And because it's your mentor, right? They should know something about this guy. Secondly, because <clears throat> he's agreeing to teach them something rather intimate. Right. Uh, secondly, how would the dementation work? How would that apply? Now, Dementation, as we know, is the inherent madness, right? That's the madness manifested as power through the will of a Malkavian. However, they come about through that. And it spreads. It's infectious, right? As one would have you to believe as it was originally launched. But how does a Gangrel learn it? Well, quite simply, that gang I would the way I would roleplay it is that you would sit that Gangrel down and it would begin as a discussion, a conversation about that person specifically. Because if you look at all the variables of dementation, they involve a level of social interaction. Right. You don't just walk up to someone and they have it. Right. You got to walk them through it. And what it is is that this Malkavian would actually inflict the discipline onto the Gangrel. 
because the goal is i would do it in parts right Mm -hmm. he's only trying to learn level one right right that's the mechanic right but i would hit him with every level of psyche breaking demontation there is to realign his perceptions exactly we have to adjust your perceptions we have to adjust the way you feel and do it and how and that's just the mechanic of how you do it right but it may start off at the basis of level one you're just you know so raul king and seems to me that you're a rather interesting guy you enjoy going through life as a what do you call it gonzoing what is gonzoing actually what is, what is it really? <laughs> right. And then you get them to talk about themselves. And under the course of talking about themselves, you want to pull more information out. And that requires breaking down barriers, which is what dementation is. <clears throat> and I would describe to that player that as they're talking and engaging themselves, they're having a hard time maintaining a cohesive thought from point A to point B. They're less telling the story and more making you there. Right. They're almost reliving a memory and talking to you. And you're just a guy on a couch, cleverly having a chat, wondering why you want to know how this right. alleged madness that I have, you want to learn how to do it? Well, I guess in time, maybe you'll get it. Maybe you'll grasp it. Maybe you don't get it at all. And if I'm that Malkavian mentor, I leave. Right. Let him wonder if he ever had it, i.e. dementation. I don't think they ever are aware that they have it as a power, per se. I think they know it as just a state of being. And when they're around someone who's like... Well, that'd be really handy to make a group of people go insane once that like that person would actually sit down and talk with them and go, if they didn't feel insulted, what makes you think I make people insane? What it's you who make people insane. Mm-hmm. I.e., we're agreeing to mentor one another, right? How about a less complicated one? So I, I think um uh let's talk about some of the physical disciplines. Yep. Um again, let's talk about uh clan specific since we're on the gang girl clan book today. So let's, let's my talk turn about to you. Sure. Okay. I am a, I'm an Asimite. Mm-hmm. I want to learn fortitude. You're Dr. Raul King. Well, Dr. Raul King, um, in, in my perspective on the situation, uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to exercise an activity in hardening your body. Um, <laughs> the the physical disciplines uh for me it's always been a matter of somehow attuning that vampire's mind to realizing they can harden themselves against damage or they can lift that car if they focus if they learn how to focus their blood i would say for me and you did a very great job of forgetting a concept physical hmm. disciplines you don't need a mentor no of course you don't but it helps. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But let's right. stick to his question, like right. you need a mentor for it, right? Right. No, you you don't. For the physical disciplines, you don't need a mentor for it. So um it, it's it's I, I would say like this. Um you did a very eloquent job of sort of laying the seeds and the groundwork for that. Um I'm gonna give it a more analytical perspective. Sure. I feel like um in the way that Bob described it. That shows you perfectly how a discipline that requires a mentor would be taught. For the Asimite, um, I, I would say as 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 Doctor Duke or Doctor <laughs> King, I'm sorry, Doctor Raul King, uh, I, I would probably just let you know that uh, you need to get out there. You need to get out there, and you need to get in the mix because eventually you're going to realize that the amount of damage that that you're taking from getting out there in the mix, from throwing bows, from scrapping. 
Eventually, you're going to get tired of taking that damage. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to harden yourself against it. Uh, and I think it, what's key is, as a storyteller, you can be as detailed as you'd like or as uh, basic as you like. It really depends on, I think, your your player base. And you are absolutely right. You're on the right track for devoting time for character development when they're learning those disciplines. Right. And the, and the thing is that Nate hit home on one important thing, whether you realize it or not, is the fact that when learning something like fortitude, like potence, like celerity, the only way to do it is to need to do it. Right. Have a need to be faster, i.e., no one just spontaneously learns celerity. It doesn't happen. No. You have to be in a situation or in a mix, like he said. And what we're describing by mix, that's when people are getting in that dirt. That's 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 when you got to brawl for your life. Right. That's when you are fighting insurmountable odds and somehow have to come out on top, i.e. you're just blowing through blood to add to your dexterity to make you quicker, more agile, uh, swifter, you know, however right. it is. Or you're, you're blowing that blood into stamina to survive this combat. Dear God, just... Don't right. let the storyteller kill me and I let my character get out of this scene. Those are justifications for later on bellying up to the bar and asking that storyteller for a little enhancement. Right. And, and I've, I've always felt like as a storyteller and as a player that when it's time to come to spend my experience points on one of those new powers, I want to be able to justify why I have it. Right. Not just, oh, I got XP, so I leveled up. To me, that waxes over the entire story of the growth of your character, which in my opinion, is the most important part of this game. It's growth of your character. It is It is not just one of the, the most important parts. This is why you are a vampire. You are not a hero with a cape. Your powers are distinctive, and they relate to your centuries of experience. They directly talk to you. The powers you have should speak your background. Mm -hmm. That's carte blanche. Whatever Nate cuts this down to, if he cuts it down at all, answering your question, if a if a player truly wants to know what powers to take or what they have, what experiences have you gone through to justify learning the next right. step? And if a mentor you seek to help you learn something else, because you see that they live through the centuries a different type of way and you need that, you are right. That is all enriching in, excuse me, enriching role play. Right. And the way you do it, it's no such thing. Come out of storyteller's mouth. I don't have time to run no. this scene. There's too much important. They should make time. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because how do you portray the vampire you are? If it's glossed over and if it's glossed over, how do you pretend to be someone else? Right. And, and also, I feel like uh, a storyteller that that has an attitude like I don't have time or I'm trying to push the story. We don't have time for that. They've they've missed the plot a little bit because the story is for you. The story is for you, the player. And a part of any good story is character development. Right. That's a major part of it. You watch any Go watch, uh, go watch Breaking Bad. I've decided to rewatch it, and we watch. It's not all just hey, we're making meth and selling meth. There, it's all character development. You watch these characters grow, or alternatively, you watch them fall based on the experiences that they have. You watch a character who, at the very beginning, had an idea of a way that he could make money f to help his family uh, live after he dies of cancer, and. And uh, I can criticize myself for also not muting my phone. <laughs> um, and then, you know, by the fifth season, you see a character who now he has no problem manipulating, killing, doing whatever he can to be on top. 
It's no longer about his family. It's no longer about the money, but it kind of is because that's where he got started. But now it's more about control and more about being the best and, and being better than everyone else. Well, how did he get there? He got there through character development. I feel you tricked us. You trapped us. This question threw us in the deep end. It did. It threw us in the deep end. It did. Um, I hope, I hope this definitely gives you an idea of how to do this because I, I hear got to stop Nate because I could tell already on his face <laughs> we're going to go some time on this and I definitely have a lot more I could say to you on this um, but what I will add I will end this with this, this simple exercise how I learned to narrate scenes for my player in terms of character growth and development is to make them mortal first I I literally had to restrict the the vampirism the immortality take it right off the res and then I had to portray a sire and how I always like to do this is a story I like to think as my player gives me their background and what they did a day in the life. And now they're walking these clubs or wherever they're at. I know this much, no matter what they make, I have to embrace them. What clan would embrace the type of person they're at. And I look stereotypical, but then I want to slow it down. I want to look for a dramatic moment. I want to look for a thing that may make them stand out in the crowd. And sometimes I want to tell them, maybe your character just isn't up to snuff for what I'm looking for. You know, I E if you're making a dad in a day in the life and he has three wonderful kids and a great life, and everything's going perfect and simple, and it's all it's all gravy. Um, it's I'm very hard pressed as a storyteller to tell you that a hardworking person contributing to the economy of a vampire's well being, i.e., they contribute to the Camarilla city he's in. Why the hell would I embrace that guy mm -hmm. or that family or what have you? And I, I, at that point, I'm less letting the player make the story, and I'm more forcing the story. I don't want to do that. I'm looking for those malcontents. I'm looking for someone who sticks out. If there's a teenager in that family that's rebellious. And, and but it's like one of these beautiful people, but they know everybody. They seem we are everywhere. They know tons of folk. I might nos them, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And why? Because he comes from a beautiful family and everything's right. perfect and everything's simple. But he has a lot of info, right? And that's the stereo in. But then I'm gonna think now. I have to make this sire who would have watched this guy and watched where his home is. And maybe as a sire, I I once had a family much like this, and I really felt deep down that I miss my son, and this was my son. And I embrace them. And yeah, on the surface, stereotypically, it looks like I was just a Nas looking to get, I'm literally shitting on someone to like, I'm Cleopatra in it, but really right. I'm not. I'm trying to fill, I'm clinging to my humanitas by making him so I can take care of my son who I didn't the centuries ago when I was actually alive. And that's, and that's, that's a very beautiful thing. I hope you feel this. I hope our answers are good enough. Yeah, uh, but uh, that's and, and one last addition to that that I would say it's a trick that uh, I learned and subsequently stole from Bob, and that is when I'm running a game or if I'm in a player in a game he's running, when a player goes, "Hey, uh, can I spend my XP and buy this level of a discipline?" Only one thing needs to be said: why? That's it. And if your player can describe why they want to purchase that, what they've done to learn it. Absolutely. Go ahead and buy it. But if they're just like, well, I got XP points and I just want to spend it. That's not how the real world works. That's not how Never. that's not how we work. And a lot of players are accustomed to other games need not be mentioned where you just get experience points and then you get a set of powers that go with it. That's not this game. And that distinction needs to be made. And that distinction needs to be made with your players. You want to shock your storytellers whenever you haven't gone through a whole lot and you have experience, and they want you to spend it. Every week you should spend your XP unless you're building towards something. But then you should be role-playing, building towards what you're trying to learn. But if there's nothing going on, eh, abilities. Right? You're reading something. 
you're right. doing something and i would buy dumb shit and what i mean by that is every storyteller is going to wonder why i'm taking newspapers or research newspapers as a specialty that's a clear-cut sign i'm getting bored <laughs> that's a clear-cut sign that there was nothing else going on right <laughs> oh or take a dot of politics wait a right. minute you're not a political character yeah i know i'm, a, right. I'm like the deputy but we sat around listening to a whole bunch of people bitch and this torter is starting to make sense god i hate my existence <laughs> you know, whatever. so yeah long-winded answer uh but uh, a very good question and we definitely appreciate it and you know keep sending them guys we really love answering them what's the other general question that you the other general question and again we will attribute you later on probably when i post this on the website uh, the question was asked uh do can vampires swim do they float are they buoyant this is the simplest question ever only because um if you understand swimming you understand why people float, right? Um, the, in general, people with a higher fat content in their body are going to float better than those who don't. Brass tacks, simply how it goes. Um, but living versus dead. You want us to have air in your lungs, right? In order, in order to aid the process of floating, that does help a lot, right? So vampires aren't buoyant because <laughs> they're dead flesh. Dead flesh sinks. Um, it's very easy for you to get water in your lungs. You don't need them to breathe. Um, all these things attribute to those factors, right? I'm not going to say I'm an expert on it. I, I know I swim a lot. I swim to work out. I swim to have swam my whole life. Everybody has. Swimming is a common thing. But if you ever played that game with your friends where it's like, you know, can you hit the bottom of the pool without like, you know, swimming down to grab something? Sure. You blow all the air out of your lungs and you sink. It's that simple. However, a vampire getting athletic so much as a dot of one has learned how to keep enough air in their lungs to stay afloat and dog paddle. That motion will keep you up. They get that. I'm um, also a vampire doesn't tire. Right. They can't. Uh, some, some games I've heard of people fatiguing. It's never made sense. There've been some descriptions I've read uh, that are that, uh, excuse me, authors have been like to me going too far and yeah. saying that this vampire in this workout routine starts sweating blood. The only time a vampire should sweat blood is when they're hit with quietus, <laughs> right? Otherwise, the beast doesn't let that go. Right, or, or some other magical form of, of torture. Um, and personally, I, I think the major difference that you're going to find is in these first and second edition books, they really, the authors kind of are left sort of unchecked. So they'll, or unchecked, they'll you know, add little things that they think are, are flavorful. And when we get around to like the revised edition of books, they sort of codify a lot of this stuff and they eliminate some of these weird, like, ah, oh, he ran and he got tired. Why? He, his muscles don't tire. He's dead. And for my fellow cheeky simians out there, my cheeky monkeys. Yes. I understand that. Well, well, sweating is a natural part of the process. So that I need to sweat then too. Genius. You sweat blood. If you're trying to preserve the masquerade by seeming more human, when a human swants blood, it's a disease. <laughs> Something horrible is happening. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how, that's how you break the masquerade. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's why they don't, they don't, they don't have the physical responses. You don't, you don't get hot. You don't get tired. You don't get heavy breathing. Your muscles don't ache because they don't, they just don't don't uh, create the same responses that a normal living human. And when Nate means by you don't get hot. Yes. You understand warmth and you understand cold. Right. And you understand it's warmer or hotter here externally. What he's saying is, is your body does not need to cool off because no. it is dead. Right. It doesn't have those responses uh, because you're a vampire and you're magic. 
That's <laughs> simple as that. Uh, so yes, yes, a vampire could swim, uh, provided he has the athletics ability to understand how to remain buoyant, and uh, or he could uh, just expel the air from whatever air might be left over in his lungs and sink like a stone to the bottom. And if they don't have athletics, yes, they sink to the very bottom and walk out. They're dead. <laughs> right. They, they will not drown. They will just be a waterlogged vampire. And then we get into that weird area of the book, and they have it in every single one. It talks about the pressures of the deep, i.e., um, to save you some looking, it's 10 dice of damage, soak it, eventually you'll die. You either get up, to, <laughs> you either get up above a level or you fall in the torpor, no one ever sees you again. You know, uh, a very infamous, very famous, excuse me, uh, vampire has that fate later on in the novels cracks me up. We'll get to it. Uh, you're going to, uh, we'll laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, moving along to clan book Gangrel. Welcome. The first thing that you should be, uh, you, you should note is that this book is dedicated to Hunter S Thompson, uh, who, which the book was inspired by Hunter S Thompson. For those of you who aren't aware, uh, was a very famous author. He has since, uh, since passed away. But uh, at the time, he was alive, and uh, he's a very famous author for what, what's called a gonzo style of journalism. And uh, the gonzo style of journalism, in most scenarios, the reporter believes he should be detached from the story. He's there to report the news. Well, gonzo journalism espouses a belief that you cannot report the news without being a part of it. So why not just be a part of the news or also, through your own activity, create it. Um, Hunter S. Thompson is the basis for character in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, and that, that character in the book is referred to as Raoul Duke. This character is referred to as Dr. Raoul King, or, yeah, Dr. Raoul King. And uh, he is the editor and narrator of this clan book. Lord Ashton in this book is the one that's uh, the writings and excerpts excerpts however you say that word i know i'm gonna quote it on it i can't say it right at the moment but uh, excerpt uh basically it's his dissertations that he's just educated on dr raul king lord ashton's a sire and as he puts in his book he says why do i have to be the one to sit back and transcribe all these blood-stained tapes that have been gnawed on and you know he and then he gets mad and says it's my job to leave the blood-stained tapes for somebody else so now i gotta sit here and make this book and then you just leave Right. Who does that? Right. And that's and that's where he gets this book. Right. And so it's it's written in a style that's very reminiscent of Hunter S. Thompson's writing, especially in those sections where um, Dr. Raul King is talking. Uh, the the author did a, an amazing job of sort of mimicking that that style, and it's a, it's a fun read. Uh, it, it also it's the first clan book that I've read that didn't have a narrative story at the beginning. It just does away with that. It just gets right into the meat and potatoes of the it's book. It's completely immersive. I feel White Wolf definitely, we're kind of getting to the end at the beginning, but to let you know, White Wolf hit it. This is the magic mark that is should be the blueprint for all clan books. Because here, they make you a part. It's like you're a gangrel who got this book. Like you were embraced and you don't have a sire, but you have this book, which is exactly why Lord Ashton uh, kind of tapped his chill to make it. That's and, its whole yeah. point. And it's literally written... As if Lord Ashton is sending this out to you. Right. <laughs> it starts with, welcome Neonate. <laughs> and it's it, it's beautiful. Welcome it goes on Neonate. from there. Right. And, uh, you know, they, they do a really good job of describing who Lord Ashton is as far as, like, his the way he talks. Right. And uh, 
it allows you to sort of read it in that, you know, you don't know his accent, but you know, like a British accent, you know, you he know, mentions in the beginning, Raul King says that the way he talks is not as perfect, but when he writes his Elizabeth, his Elizabeth, Elizabethan, 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 his, uh, his upbringing in England, uh, for that style of prose and writing bleeds through when he really gets in a tear, he tries to, you know, kind of reel it in, but eventually it's, it's just him chatting and it's proper. It's appropriate. Now I want you to imagine Dr. Uh, Lord Ashton is an, a beast. He is a person who makes wild predatory animals feel at peace by him being around because he's above them. Animals get their station around him and they know they could be food. They can be not food. Uh, it's really up to him, but ultimately he doesn't feed from predators. It's not his way. However, when you see him, they do have him in a book briefly and, uh, or maybe I should say this appropriately. I believe this is him. He's petting a tiger at the beginning. He has long wisp of white hair crouched down low. And he has very, uh, predatory wolfish meaning feline, um, features about his face denoting his age that he is a person who's just been about town. Right. And he knows a thing or two about gangrel and he's just gonna kind of wax poetic. Right. And they, they talk about, um, you know, there's always like a, an editor's note before each chapter. <laughs> and, uh, the first one that they talk about just like every other book is the creation of the clan from the perspective of the clan. And, uh, the, the editor makes it very clear that, uh, yeah, he's, he's rambling and quoting things that are probably inaccurate, like the book of nod and other things. Right. But, Hey, this is his perspective. Take it for what it is. Like it or don't. That's on you. <laughs> and he even tells you to go read the book of Nod. <laughs> like, like you just have it on the show. Right, shelf. right. Just, You're near Nate. Go read the book of Nod yeah, if you want to know what he's saying. Down at the shirt. library. It's no big deal. Uh, but they they describe the uh, the first wife of Cain, Lilith, and Lilith leaves the Garden of Eden. Or, I'm sorry, not the first wife of Cain. The first wife of of Adam. Adam yep. yep. Sorry, got my got my biblical references all confused there, but uh, the first wife of Adam uh, is cast out of the garden and she leaves pregnant and uh, she has some children and those children are raised by different beasts because these beasts they don't even know if they're predator or prey yet. It's, right. It's the the earth is so new, and uh, they reference one that's just called the beast. And the, the, the baby that she has that's raised by the beast is the originator of clan Gangrel, if, if I remember the tale correctly. Because you see, there's the wolf, there's the tiger, there's the snake, there's the beast, and there's the bear. And the snake is the one that has a stillborn. And yes, it's the wolf. That's correct. It's the wolf that ends up taking her. You're, you're correct. Um, yeah. Because uh, here's, here's the difference to understand it. And Noya is who they're referring to. Yeah. Anoya is supposed to be the daughter that's raised by the wolf pack. Yeah. Right. That's that's in the tale. And the beast, who knows what that is, right? Yeah. But that's some of that cool ass white wolf lore that's just a mystery, like who the hell or what. And the purpose for this podcast is also to discover some of these hot points. But to, to tell it that cool story, that gives a different, incredibly different take on what goes on. But it also gives a throw to a werewolf. Yes. Because there are werebears. There are were, were cats werewolves of course then you have were snakes but then they're even cheeky about it by saying ah i was born stillborn right giving credence to that the snake didn't have anybody to raise because the snake is dead right 
wink, wink, right? <laughs> right. So, and then you know, and then it rolls right. on, and then whatever this beast is, who the fuck, who right? Knows? I, I don't, I don't know, but one thing that uh, you'll start to discover right away, and uh, I discovered this like within a, the first ten or fifteen pages, there is a lot in here about werewolf. Clearly, White Wolf wanted to tie these two, all of them creatures together they wanted to tie vampire to werewolf to to fey right to wraith to mage all of it yep, tie it together absolutely. in a single world of darkness right and this uh this more so than any of the other books that we've read thus far it definitely sort of exudes to me as it is written almost as an advertisement for this product line but having said that i feel personally that it's done in a way that isn't distracting because it's a dude talking right it's not it's not over like it's overt but it really isn't it works really well within the confines of the story that they're writing and uh creation myths aside uh you know it's 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 a story that's basically we get it we we understand that story but here's a cool thing about this story this right here is the first time they refer to an antediluvian's excuse me let me take that back let me remove that phrase entirely the first type of person that a second gen would embrace doesn't even tell you what the second gen were like other than their extreme vanity or something like that um, like in the case of zilla but it tells you this case that Enoya was birthed to a family of wolves and those wolves raised her mm-hmm. and they also tell you very quickly that Enoya is immortal is immortal as her mother is is immortal because her mother is lilith and these wolves raised her like her own, like they were one of her own because they didn't have any other difference. And she lay with the wolf and she gave birth to children and then she fled. She moved on. And remember, she's immortal, right? Right. But is immortal. She will live forever. And that's like her mom. And that's that's the weird part, right? We're, we have a glimpse to an idea that may be true. Who, like a lot of players like to go, Lilith was a mage. So obvious she was a mage. She was completely a mage. Eh, <laughs> is she yeah right like yeah, and and kane is a vampire but is he and they'll quote the erisi's fragments and whatever and exactly and kane i don't i don't know what type of being god made first back in the day right okay but let's just assume like any artist we were lumps of clay with a lot of content right and it, and it takes usage right no one artist sits down and just makes awesome there are many versions and many renditions till you get it right Right. Before you learn that was too much lead, that was too much this, blah, 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 blah. Here's the perfect car or whatever. But in this case, I just want you to keep in your head this guy's saying that, like Lilith, daughter walked around, all the beasts knew her. She had some powers to her already, but is no mere mortal, not by the slight. And it rolls on down to where she does get embraced, right? Mm-hmm. And then it goes to the usual, right? Um, where we, I don't know how far, like, stop me when you want to mention no, no, carry details. On. Um, when she gets embraced and she's chosen, she's chosen because um, her interest or her, her way of dis- being disruptive, like she gets to the city and I believe it's Ur that they mentioned and there might be a different one. They all have a different city. They eventually settle in and get encountered by the second gens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was irrelevant. What was important was the content here. It says that she was embraced by one of the second gen. They just waltzed up, made her. That was that and walked away. And thus she's part of the third gen. Now why that's unique all the other ones kind of had a thing where it was like, uh, like it was similar as we read so far. His was like, oh, there he is. I got to have him. He's mine. I got to need him. 
Like it, it tries to tell you why this person would have been made. And in Gangrel laissez fair fashion, it's like, who cares? Right. Who cares? There are a thousand and one reasons to make a chill. Enoch, by the way. It was so Enoch who yeah, got him? Enoch. Okay. He just up and told, hey, you, chick, I like you. Welcome to being immortal. And she was kind of like, I already was, but all right. Now I get to know <laughs> some cool shit and I'll see you later. Because he goes on. Lord Ashton says when she was embraced, this is why the power of her blood is the reason why we have Protean. That in her before, she knew how to do all this stuff, and she just took it with her. She didn't have to abandon anything of who she was. And it hints to the fact that the antediluvians, they're incredible. They were powerful before the embrace, and the embrace just made them more powerful. Right. So when you think back to like all the supplements you may have read so far, um, like in the future, and they may release when you read Urshul Gi was born in a time when the skies rained blood and the eternal screams of the dam haunted the night sky, and it was him or nothing, and his magic is way beyond that of Clan Shamir, and you're thinking, all right, they just, you know, you pick up the book, this dude's a load of shit. Right. This, it, it wasn't that way back then. Um, wait a second. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, it was. We're talking like, you know, uh, uh, holy vengeance, uh, you know, uh, divine wrath. Like these are <laughs> these are the, these are those times. These are those magical Old times. Testament days. Right. We're talking back in the day when God looked on the earth and he said, flood him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're the angels up on high. And he said, create all that is beauty in the world. Create right. the cosmos and all in it. And from the clay, make blah. And from here, make do. And, and also, you know, if we look, if we look at the, the, the accepted concept of, of the Bible and age, the people that were born of uh, Adam and Eve's stock and the, the immediate the descendants. Methuselah. Right. Is a Bible reference of someone who lived thousands of years, right? right? The, the, like these are people like, eh, you know, the, or 8,000. Right? Yeah. Dude, dude lived a thousand years. Dude lived 800 years. Like without question. Right. It's just, that's the way it was. And when someone goes, uh, incest, really? No, no offense. If I'm a super being, I'm sleeping with a super being. <laughs> and if it's my sister, you better hope I'm romantic. That's about, this is about the only, cause no offense. Why are you going to lay with the monkeys? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? You don't go for less. No one in the history of ever has ever gone for less. Right. Right. In terms of spreading their seed or having children or offspring, we're way off base. And, and is it incest when you're made of clay and, and a rib? Like, you know, come on. <laughs> right. You're ba it's actually, it's more right. masturbation right. at that right. point, it's, isn't it? You, yeah. so, right. You know, it's a off base. So, <laughs> all right. All right. To bring it back. So sorry. Sorry, gang girl uh, listeners. But uh, so here we have Anoya is a being above being a mortal. She is one of the immortals. So I want you to think of her at least in this perspective to help me for the story that all the descendants from her are like the descendants of maybe Achilles or Odysseus, right. these demigods and stories. Cause it makes you think, all right, if Anoya was like that, then maybe these stories that were told in these old fables about these demigods, they could have been vampires or something special. Right. Look at what I mean, clearly special, but look what they came from. Moving on. I mean, we, we, we kind of understand the, the creation myth uh, as it, as it, it's told by the Gangrel clan. Uh, it goes on to describe the Gangrel uh, throughout history. And this, you know, it's pretty standard. Fair. It's, it's standard fair for, for a clan book. But the way that it's told from that perspective of that character is what separates it from the other clan books that we've read so far. So there are hot points, right? Like mm -hmm. the whole historical content. And please, Nate, drive in whatever you got. Mm -hmm. um, what I loved about this is when he starts talking about history, he says there is no clan more human than Gangrel. That in every involvement of humankind in history, the Gangrel have been there. Right. And they had to, because no predator leaves the food. 
Right. The predator is always where the prey is, always. So every war, Gangrel were fighting in a war, or they were fighting against that war, you know, opposite sides. Right. Or they were just feeding on those who were dying. They they had a hand in it. Right. When, and one thing that they, they establish is that, you know, the Gangrel clan, they are not a clan of writing stuff down. Nope. This particular situation is kind of a one-off. It's it's odd because typically the Gangrel, they tell their history word of mouth. They Their, their way of telling stories is literally telling stories. And because of that, a lot of these stories are going to be exaggerated because most likely these are stories he's heard. Or stories he's experienced that he's retelling for your benefit, Mr. Neonate Gangrel. The best friends ever, and I learned this from my Irish buddies, is is those friends who lighten up your day with a good story. Right. They don't make it boring because you won't remember boring. That's the important part about it. Tell me a good story and I'll remember. I don't care if it's right. Tell me the truth and it's boring and I'll forget it every time. That's more or less the moral to that tale. And so to this oral history that the gang girl have or anyone who believes in oral history. That's what you have to remember. Key elements of the story. Uh, it would, uh, it would also seem highly likely that, uh, the gang girl are perhaps responsible for syphilis. Well, I read that too several times and it cracked me up when they get over. Cause when they get over certain areas, they tell you that they fed on them. Right. Right. Was, was the point. Right. But they didn't create it. That's no, no, the no, thing. no. But, but they, they perhaps fostered an environment for the spread of syphilis. Well, they said they got there. And when they discovered, where were we at? What region was this? This was in uh, uh, France and Britain. Um, so crusaders from France and Britain who reached Spain found more than the Spanish right. Moors waiting for them. They had discovered a new sickness and a curious symptom, apparently, of the illness. The victim wasted away, the blood drawn from the body as marrow uh, by the... Uh, what is it? I can't read it because of the... Uh, anyways what it's referring to is that they were feeding on the sick right that's what it's saying it's right. not saying that they had syphilis it's saying like any no, good no. predator i think they didn't i think the gang girl had syphilis but that's okay nate we'll, believes the gang girl had syphilis we'll agree to disagree I, on that one we'll have to <laughs> <laughs> so but it's, it's saying they feed on those who are right. weak on those who are sick to not draw attention to themselves because if you look at the errors like in rome there was war everywhere mm-hmm. they didn't have to worry about it you know they were just with the barbarians or not the barbarians drank blood and ate some of the dead. Uh, Romans sometimes will eat, you know, to gain the strength would do it. So nobody noticed a vampire kneeling over anybody. But as we got more modern, as the mortals started getting with it, paying more attention, they got smarter. They were, they, you know, they adapted their feeding processes. Um, and here we have uh, them feeding on those who were sick. And which is good because he tells it in such a way to not be boring. It's just much like you said, you read it and you're like, are you, t- are you saying you guys had syphilis? And when you read again, you're like, oh, you're just not saying you fed on the sick. You're just giving credence. You're basically like a person would tell you, you know, I found myself amongst the Moors in Spain and they had just discovered some newfound disease and they didn't stop me from feeding on them. You know, I just went right in and, uh, they just, you know, they thought that they were finding different aspects of right. it, like low on blood, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, feed on the weak. Uh, and it, we, we, you know, we move on one thing too that I, like, I want to, uh, specifically talk about is the, the passage where they talk about, uh, the gangrel in the modern era and they talk about, uh, a, sp- a specific gangrel who was imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp with a large quantity of Romani people. And basically he was like, all right, well, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and, uh, we're just going to embrace a bunch of these folks tonight. And, uh. Tomorrow night we feed well, 
And uh, they basically, uh, he hastily embraced uh, those Romani people, gave them uh, a crash course in uh, the Protean discipline, learned a little bit of earth meld. And the next night they all arose and essentially massacred the camp. And the official story from the, the, uh, the German officials was that uh, it was lost to misplaced allied bombing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There's a good night to you too, sir. (laughs) It's, it's cool how they, how they go through it, that refreshing mentality uh, because there's others where they sack towns, right? Where they come through and they directly oppose civilization. And because, like in the modern, they also talk about how if there are like like oil companies or gas right. stations or wherever they're at, if you're on a gang territory, they might come through and slaughter everybody, hide the bodies, and set everything on fire, but just the buildings. And it's it's really interesting too because reading through this and reading through the gang girl through history and reading about their mentality, I get the impression that. Um, to some degree, the gangrel tend to be as rebellious, if not more so than the Bruja, but for a completely different reason. They're free. Right, right. It is it, truly free. It's rebellion against rule, but not because they want to initiate some kind of change. They just don't want to be ruled. The simple fact is, is that the, there's no clan more intimate with their beast than gangrel. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're Zemis. I don't care if you're Nosferatu. I will state this. The point of that clan is their beast and themselves are one that you're even how they embrace you you're embraced and they cut you loose yep they don't tell you sunlight burns or fire hurts or steak will paralyze you they're fucking gone we have a term that we like to use it's called fitfo right fitfo because fitfo experience teaches you more than anything else how any other animal would learn in the wild it's experience but here's something here's the difference the gang girl also keep an eye on their chilled they just don't tell that shit right like they're gone for seems to be a long time, a year or so. And that chilled's like, man, the horror that's been heaped upon me. Well, if you're too weak, if you can't get with the program, they come back and kill you. They call you because you weren't worth the effort. Right. You clearly weren't what they thought. And that's the point. And that's a very important detail because that's animalistic. Yeah. That's instinct. If my baby is not going to make it in the wild, then I should just slaughter them and feed them to the rest of the pack. You know? There, there's that no, mm-hmm. no sense in wasting, you know, tragic, but there's more kids and they need to live too. Right. And that's sort of a, a bastardized horror mentality to have there. But, it, but there's also no clan that espouses being a vampire more than gangrel as well, mm-hmm. because they talk about a gangrel prince. And I love how they break this down. A gangrel prince, th- their wanderlust comes from Anoya, right? Because she went everywhere and got thrown out of everywhere. They don't ever say why other than she's disruptive. I'll tell you why. When you try to confine someone who believes in lawlessness, not lawlessness like chaos, but just why do you own me? Right. How dare you stop me from doing what I naturally do? Not even how dare you as much as you can't stop me. Right. Well, I'm going to do it. And if you're strong enough to stop me, you will. Otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And there's a purity to that. There's a pecking order to that. And if you can stop them and you spare them, then they know they can't do it there. Right. And likewise, they mentioned that typically a gangrel prince rules more with a much like an open hand as opposed to, you know, your venture prince who's ruling with an iron fist. Gangrel prince is typically going to be more forgiving. I didn't get that impression. And here's why. Let me, mm-hmm. let me, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I did get away from that. So the gangrel prince has a demence. 
and that dimensions a territory that they will often disguise themselves yeah, to patrol. Right. It, yeah. And they walk amongst amongst the crowd to go check it out and whatever. This isn't to be lighter. This is to directly watch their domain <laughs> that they that they have a prince right. them over. And what they also do is, is that the old and wiser, the elders, they all stay at the center of it. The prince isn't there because it's their job. It's their territory. They are the alpha. They're out watching it. But they push the young in packs mm-hmm. and droves out to that outer line to defend what is his or right, hers. Right. And by open-handed, what I'm referencing is the same passage that you're referencing. <clears throat> I didn't mean like, hey, we're pals, we're buddies. Uh, just less likely to be Machiavellian in their their rule. You're right. He'll just grab you throw you in front of the elders <laughs> right. and I'll say trial by combat. Yeah. No you question. wanted to break the masquerade. So you did now fight for your life. I feel like, uh, when you're existing under a gangrel prince, generally speaking, you're probably way less likely to go, where do I stand with that prince? <laughs> you the, probably know right away. The impression I got was number one, if just by that description, mm-hmm. if your prince can be anywhere, walking amongst you you're not gonna break the fucking masquerade right you're not gonna do it because the one rule he believes in is not scaring the prey away the prey away yep which is the masquerade he doesn't give a shit about accounting doesn't give a shit about you know progeny he doesn't give a shit about your permissions guess what if he's unhappy trial by combat (laughs) right right that's what's gonna happen and if you can't fight a champion will be chosen for you, right? <laughs> if you're not up to snuff, he'll make it fair, as fair as that gangrel sees it, or he won't, and just kill you. Now, you say open-handed, I say stressful as fuck if you're a Torador, Ventru, Bruja, Nosferatu. If you're any clan used to relying on politics to help you slip the gap or get around it. Definitely establishment uh, needs to be cautious. And, and we can reference back to Milwaukee by Night. Uh, in that book, Decker is not prince yet, but he becomes prince. He might as well be. Right. He He's essentially the warlord of that city, and it just takes a couple of people to go away for him to have no choice but to be thrust into that. For and sure. There's, a, there's an individual who, <clears throat> it's, it's a warlike city, and it has to be. And that's the telling tale of a prince that's a gangrel. They talk about places in France where gangrel... Um, well, according to Lord Ashton, there are gangrel in France who are insane and went in a torpor. And why they're insane is because as they were killing off wolves in mass, there were gangrel who had an identity crisis. And I find this adorable because remember this book's written from his ramblings, right? Yeah. His perspective. And he, and he even says in the Raul King that he learned to become a wolf by feeding on wolves. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, 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 that's how he learned. A large quantity of wolf blood I've consumed. <laughs> right. Which we all know is kind of laughable, but right. hey, that's how he learned, right? So maybe not so much. Uh, but Ashton's stating that these gangrel were in France, had these large swaths of territory, and they were governing them, and everything was copacetic and fine. And then these mortals came along and started putting up Euro Disney. <laughs> like one day, it was all wilds, and it was fine. And the next day, Euro Disney. And when that happened, they started feeding on the folks from that Disney area, and it was not the blood they were used to. This was not the prey that they were following. Mm. Where did they go? And so they just started feeding on crazier and crazier individuals to where they had an identity crisis. Right. And when that madness set in, they just went in a torpor. Uh, so another great place to talk about is, uh, and this is something that you brought up last night, is Antarctica. 
and uh, the rumors of the Gangrel, a uh, very powerful Elder Gangrel, stalking the the Arctic wastelands. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the Antarctic wastelands is totally unfounded. Absolutely not true. Couldn't even be possible. Also, there's no werewolves there. There's no food there. There's no blood there. I don't even know where you came up with this idea. Right. Like, I, why, why would you be there? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, even just to let you know, they do have stuff going on in Antarctica in White Wolf, big stuff. And I love how they seed it, right? Because in this book, they leave they leave that groundwork. Further supplements are coming where you're going to want to pay attention to what is going on up there. I'm not going to ruin it because we're going to get to those supplements, right? Yeah. But we'll just state that, yeah, Antarctica is a big place where a lot of stuff is going down. But most importantly, if you're dead, extreme cold does affect you. They highlight that, that you do need warming blood in order to keep moving around or you'll freeze. You'll fall in the torpor. Right. You don't die. You'll just never move again. And oh, what fun that would be. However, there are some who learn a protean level, mm-hmm. level six, called adaptability, where that environment doesn't phase you. Right. You can live in it indefinitely. And it's directly in this book and even in the modern several books. It's done that for that reason specifically. And what I like about it is there are whole groups of Norse-minded gangrel that have gone to sleep around Scandinavia, Norway, um, even in the Black Forest, who just, in the deep uninhabitable places they're just severely frozen ice flows everywhere mm-hmm. they're asleep minor p's and q's and one night they'll wake up that's i mean that's the dichotomy like in the modern we see it that's why i'm telling you uh is that you they do talk about that directly how culture shock because when they wake up they don't just wake up and they're like oh well it seems my religion is gone and now i am lost i guess i will <laughs> seek out the local prince to get no they wake up and swallow domains they go somewhere a, a good thing to do as a storyteller once in your lifetime run a modern game, great city, everything's going great, everyone's boring, stuff's at Elise, and they're just talking this or that, and then have a gangrel elder wade through the front door, cutting a ghoul in half, smiling and snarling, walking through, and he's like, and when nobody understands, he just starts cutting people down as they come to him with this axe, and have him sit in the girly throne, because he doesn't understand it's a ballroom dickhead. (laughs) <laughs> and he sits down and he piles the heads up and he's looking around for his yarls that are nowhere near and have him howl and summon every creature in the area trying to talk to them about what what's happened in this world right. what are these strange places what's with this artwork that they're calling a building where's my longhouse and and it'd be great because have that nosferatu in your group who was down in the sewers i forget what player asked me this uh like you know i have a nas who won't get with the group but he's down in there this is a great story for that nas because if that were to happen He's down in the sewer and he hears some of the rats. Psycho Gangrel woke up and right. he's now the new ruler. <laughs> and we don't know what happened. There are survivors. We're trying to figure it out. But he killed the prince. He killed the primogen. He killed the sheriff. The deputies fled. We're all that's left. It certainly wasn't what we'd call a praxis seizure, was it? No, not at all. It was more <laughs> no. like a seizure. Yeah. No, it was, the whole it, kingdom it just, was a uh, war and uh, there was only one opponent and it was your city. And unfortunately, it's lost. But they, you know, that's that's where they lay the groundwork. So this book is golden for that. Right. It just sets it up. They talk about Gangrel culture and they give us a prime, they, like Lord Ashton literally <laughs> gives us a prime example. He uses two made up characters that meet each other in the desert and they, they introduce themselves to one another and uh, they, uh, they tell each other uh, their tales. Uh, one of them uh, is a father and he tells about how he, you know, preaches the good word, what have you. 
And then the other one is a, a former waitress from Philadelphia, I believe. And she tells him about herself in the form of an urban rap. <laughs> right. It's so hysterical that he makes fun of it. And he is making fun of it. I mean, at heart, he's an academian, right? That's how he was, that's how he was trained. That's how he, he learned. That's how he's presented. Right. And then he gets here and he decides to make this sing-songy sing rap to just point out the fact that the gangrel they use this cultural meetup as a way of a pecking order. Other clans you'll have, like my favorite, in Clan Tremere, I'm a lictor of Clan Tremere, and I'm here to sort out all the problems of you simpletons. <laughs> and really, you're some dickhead who just made a character with a background who lists that in <laughs> right, there. Right. And you're walking into shit on us? Like, sure. Meanwhile, I'm CJ, West Philadelphia, born, born and raised. raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. <laughs> oh, you're from Philadelphia, <laughs> right. and you like to have fun. Right, right. Clearly, you're carefree. Oh, what a great guy. <laughs> I, however... And, and fucking Swamp Tooth Willie from Louisiana. <laughs> and, I am, and I am chilled of that who cannot be named for she is but the night. She sounds frightening. Exactly. <laughs> but you can immediately, this dude's older than me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Clearly. I'm going to let you have the floor and I'm going to let you tell your stories to me. And I'll see if I have any that I can one up you on. Probably won't have any because... Shit, I'm CJ from the fucking playground. Right, but you might. Right. You might shock him. You might be like, well, I had to feed on gators at first, and mm -hmm. nowhere to be found was my sire. You know how we are. But right. really, she was everywhere. And every animal watched me as I drapes through, and strangely, things attacked me, and I learned to fight. And you're like, that's cool. Right. However, I was in a street corner beatboxing with my friends, trying to figure out what to do, and they, they realized that I could go a real long time, and my flow was endless. And it dawned on me I never had to take a breath. <laughs> man did that suck so imagine my shock when as i didn't breathe they started not inviting me around right, right and then one day that pissed me off and i saw that dude who used to beat my ass for change around the way and i had to run him down and i was like look man you owe me money and something in me just said he really owed me more than fucking money <laughs> and i started glazing this dude and i'm laying waste to him and the next thing you know i'm swimming in his blood meanwhile swamp tooth willie <laughs> your beast got you oh, yeah good Good tale. They, they talk about how this is a clan that is an incredibly social clan. Their entire interaction as a clan uh, is very tight knit based on this oral tradition of telling stories of those stories changing and growing down the, you know, down the line, essentially. For sure. Uh, and they talk about the uh, the gather which I believe in a later edition, it's going to be kind of changed. They to, call it an all thing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, they 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 evolve the term, but uh, in our book here, told by our uh, our, Lord our, our Lord Ashton, every solstice and equinox together, the solstice and the equinox, we get together, and there are some great ones. Never one that's attracted all of the Gangrel ever, ever, ever. So. Cool thing, the mechanics of a of a of a thing, a gap, excuse me, of a gathering. When you're there, the important thing is to have fun. Yeah. You're there to share in stories and experiences and transfer news and information. Whether and, and people, everyone participates. Young or old, it doesn't matter. There will be fights, there will be challenges, never to the death to see who's stronger. This this is very much like a werewolf gathering on a cairn. Yeah, absolutely. 
is what you're hearing is they, they establish a pecking order. The, the elders are interested in good stories and good times because they've lived through what those right. youngins are talking about. In a, in a different world or the same world with different, uh, different individuals, you know, we might be telling stories to gain renown. And then you're thinking about what Lord Ashton said in the very beginning. He said that in the origins of the tales, that werewolves came from the same mother, Anoya. Mm-hmm. That she lay with the wolves and gave them children, and then she left, and something else, which is also the same place where that hatred comes from. The werewolves, in their spirituality, do not like werewolf or do not like Gangrel, specifically vampires, because they should have been with them. That there shouldn't have been a separation. Right. Anoya should have known her place and been there, whatever. But I shouldn't say no her place is bad. In Lord Ashton's opinion, that's just what Anoya did. He does not care why she did it. That's what happened. And to his own story, that he talks about how he befriended a wolf and he got involved with them. It is a very brutal, barbaric tale mm-hmm. of purity. And it's wild. It's it's literally it immersed you and he left you going, fuck that. Yeah. Like I would never want to be in that tense of a situation. Yeah. It's a very well told tale. Even down when the elder has has uh, Lord Ashton's muzzle as a wolf in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And he leaves it there for a tense moment and describes the fierceness in his eyes as Ashton's looking at him or does, excuse me, doesn't dare stare at him, right. but glanced up to look doesn't, down again. Doesn't expose his neck in, in total, uh, uh, you know, acceptance of his fate. But notice but, it's not time. Right. But also doesn't, you know, doesn't stare defiantly. And then all the wolves disappear. So it wasn't he was running around the cairn living in a pack. It was he was allowed to exist in those woods right. on an outskirt of where they were is what it came down to. And it's because they thought he was one of them, but lost his way. And chalk filled with knowledge. Like the way they blend werewolf in this book with Gangrel leads you to believe, actually I'm converted. I have no problem with a Gangrel being in a werewolf game, but he's definitely not part of the pack. Right. You get what I'm saying? Right. It would be so difficult because you're basically a player who's left to clean up the garbage. Well, and and also I feel like we have some, some, a, a different perspective since, the werewolf game line has been revised. The oh, vampire yeah. game line has been revised that in these halcyon days of the Gangrel clan, this is a really cool concept. I really dig that they did this because it does allow you to start to meld those worlds. And really what we're trying to do here. And by we, I mean, white wolf, not you. And oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what the, the creators of this game are trying to do is they're trying to create a world where, you you can play all these different things. You can experience life as a werewolf, but you don't necessarily have to go all werewolf. You could have a gangrel. He could mix. His knowledge is shit. Oh, yeah. He doesn't understand. And that's that's the thing too. You you start reading this, and Lord Ashton has a ton of information about the guru, which he calls them guru. Uh, but also he has a lot of incorrect information, but he calls them guru because he was corrected, right? They, they prefer to be called guru. So let's understand that he had to encounter one to talk to one to be corrected, right? That they are not lupines. They are guru. And they paint you this picture that, uh, the guru, they have these lost cubs and they're elated when they find one because the guru are dying off and there's just so few of them. And, and anytime you find an actual guru, even if he's in his human form, which we call Hamid, they're elated, but they don't trust them super well. They don't really give them all the information. So it leads you to believe that 
the the guru are to some degree able to be tricked. Take that as you will. Right. And in the later supplements, here's what happens. Vampire is separate. Yeah. It's that simple. They go north and south of it. And the reason why they go north and south of it, because there is confusing messages. You, we want you to mix the games. We want it to be a world of darkness, but you have to understand is that not every gang girl is going to run around and be a werewolf. I.e. they wanted it rare, not the typical. Right. And this book outlines it to where what player is not going to want to run with lupines to some degree, have some ability to fall back on it. And what I say to you is this. I don't give a damn if somebody doesn't want to mix them. The fact is it was laid out for a reason. The clan is very similar. Uh, there is no problem, but like me, I'm not going to sit here and pull a story out of my ass. Like I normally would to give you an idea of how it would work. That's cheating. I'm going to save that for when I decide to be a gang girl in a werewolf game. <laughs> uh, but what I will tell you is, is that it can work. It absolutely can work. Worst concepts have been pitched. They just give the bridge work to where you, this opens up the discussion, right? And why they don't keep it is because this book was already written. When you look at the, the books that come after this, they were ne- White Wolf never said, don't buy these older versions. Nobody ever said that. In fact, you have to have these older versions to understand where the new, why, why was it revised? What are these new supplements? Where do they come from? Because the new supplements mention them. They right. just give a quick head nod to them. Though. Right. They, they refine it later on. And, uh, you know, as I was saying earlier, this is a clear example of it's writing from the perspective of generating interest for another line people are already into this vampire game and as a business they want fans to explore these other lines that they're creating and they do a pretty good job here because you know i'm reading it and i'm going man i wonder about these werewolves and i know about the werewolves right but i'm i'm like i'm engaged i'm like i'm like man what's what what are these were hackers like? What exactly? <laughs> What's exactly. a ragabash? I'm really right. curious. Like, I, and then you'll go and you'll find that werewolf the apocalypse book and crack it and go, man, he knew some stuff, but he was way off the mark on a lot of the shit. The most militant and most violent are the Geta Fenris, yeah. and don't forget. And even as impossibly violent as they are, they have that real militant faction, the right. Red Talons, the paramilitary Red Talons, that are above and beyond what those Geta Fenris are. <laughs> It's so good, dude. <laughs> right. It's so good. It's brilliant how they put this together and they just involve you. And then don't forget the grand disconnect. They're like, cool story. Right. From a perspective, most of this clan, but, but here's the pause and footnote. We're warning you now. We're going from in game to out of game. Right. Here's the meat you you might be looking for for Gangrel. I feel like um that that concept of of you know being an academic of the supernatural is a really great concept for a character in a game. I think it would work really well in a live action game because your players that you're interacting with, they're going to know the truth. That's just the fact of the matter. Most, Most of the players have read all the books. They know all the mystery. But when you play an academic, someone I specialize in, in knowing about the supernatural. Um, yes, that tribe, the Ragabash, the player is going to go, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. But hopefully the actual player is going to be of enough uh, intelligence to go, I see what he's doing there. And let me give you a head nod to storytelling advanced, right? We'll call this the 2100 course (laughs) for you college inclined. Uh, The point is, is that that head nod that, oh, that player already knows what a ragabash is. He doesn't fucking know what you're referring. He knows, oh, I know what a ragabash is in werewolf. Yeah. Do you know what that vampire elder is calling a ragabash? You have no idea. 
where it's coming from. Right. So it behooves you to f- discover that mystery, Scoob. Right. You, Shaggy, and the Mystery Machine it is, get together and explore. It, it is. Uh, I think it's a very fun concept because the, the worst thing that you encounter in a game with a lot of people is those people that take all their out-of-game knowledge and they introduce it in character. And as we can see here, that is never the case. The information that you have, how did you acquire it? You acquired it through your experiences. And we know if we didn't go on the internet and look it up, if we didn't learn it in a book in college, chances are we're going to have some incorrect or inaccurate information. Just simply put. The point is the memory recall always pulls up the buttons that you always remember what you liked. Mm-hmm. You don't right. remember every detail. Right. You know, the minutia escapes you and the minutia builds, right? The reason why details and minutia are there to anything is so that you do learn the good stuff the way it should be learned. Right. And the problem is, is when something becomes rote, formulaic, and you leave it to a social interaction, the social interaction will always break it down to the hot button points that that person enjoyed, and it gets very opinionated. And when that happens, you're really left, like, if you like what the person's saying, you'll go with it, and you won't bother looking it up. But absolutely, 100%, every time, if someone doesn't like what you're saying, they're the first on their phone looking up your facts they're the first to go home and buy the PDF or whatever. And every storyteller and player has dealt with that in any setting, tabletop, live action, this game, or Dungeons and Dragons. It doesn't matter. They go through and they'll come back and become the rules lawyer. And it, and I'll, I'll say this because it's the honest to God truth. The reason why anybody rules lawyer is because they are unhappy with how a game is going. I don't mean that somebody questions a rule or somebody has an issue with something they don't understand. And I'm talking that guy who every week, every day, they show up. And whenever a storyteller does something, they go, actually, it's this. No, it's this. No, it's that. There's, there, it's like the second storyteller you never wanted. Right. That person is unhappy. And every time you see them, and, and it, by the way, players wear many hats. Some, they're fine. But when they start questioning every step of the way, that's the person the storyteller needs to pick up on to pull to the side to have that chat and figure it out, tiring out the rest of it. And why I'm saying all that is because when you get to a cool book like this one, with Lord Ashton and Dr. Raul King and their interaction, they're teaching you a bunch of stuff. They're teaching you a sire-child relationship, right? Exactly how the gang girl culture outlines it. They're teaching you how a gang girl culture exists. They're teaching you how this interaction may go with the lupines, how it may go with anarchs, how they're anarchs themselves, but not. They're just free. They're the first free race, free race, free vampire clan, that you're ever going to see right. <clears throat> that truly believes in one aspect that if you are stronger than they are, then they have to conform to your rules until they go their own way or one day they're stronger than you. And that's how it goes. And it's simple. It's black and white. And there's a purity to that. And when you have someone who breaks that down, that immersion to just rule calls, well, that person needs, you need to pull that poison out of your role play. Because that's the only way that you're going to keep this thing we love alive and you're going to keep that person invested. And maybe they need to go play a video game or something. Yeah, I I would agree with you. Uh, I think that uh, very confidently I can say this is not really the game for rules lawyering. You know, this is a game for storytelling. And this is this game is it's uh, for lack of a better term, it's personified in this clan book. Yes, It, it is literally showing you a mirror. This is how this game functions here's a story to go with it folks really do you see lightning hit where all the ideas and all the hard effort come together as one beautiful view and this is the clan book to own for that very reason is it all hits and it unifies both 
White Wolf is a business, White Wolf is writers, and us enjoying their product. This is why. This is where we all are one happy married family. It's in this book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, uh, there's uh, more to tell, but really from here, it's just telling the tale of the Romani uh, from the perspective of the Gangrel, uh, who coincidentally also hate the Ravno, but not the Romani people. Um, that tells you the short tale of uh, Dr. Raul King and some of the other Gangrel characters. Um, and just one misstep is the inclusion of Faye uh, in Germany. I, it's not, I'm not a fan. It's, it's a misstep and it's only a misstep because it's one of those. Eh. <sighs> right. Just like relax. Just I don't off. even want to get into no. it because we like this book. Yeah, just, that, absolutely. Uh, other than that, I think that uh, we can pretty much wrap it up here. The rest you can read. Uh, we've, we've, we've talked about it until it, it's done. Even the stuff that we glazed over, we glazed over it so you have content. To read. Me and Nate both digested this book in an hour and a half. Yeah, this was a, this was a quick, easy read. It's it's written in a really easy-to-read way. And it's not because it's shorter. It pulls you in. It, it actually, if you compare it to what's being told in the Nosferatu clan book and the Malkavian clan book, it's actually much more content. Also, the sample characters in here, like they have in all the clan books, <laughs> the sample 10, they're awesome. So definitely Dude. check them out. We're not going to ruin them for you, but the, I, I I like all of them. I'll ruin one. The Archon in Training is boss. <laughs> He's boss. Yeah. I enjoy it just for his quote. Yeah, go ahead. That's a great idea. There's no reason why you shouldn't do it. Go for it. <laughs> I'm sure the elders would love that. Don't worry. Uh, I, I love that character for a number of reasons, mostly because we have friends who have inadvertently played that character a number of times right <laughs> yeah definitely check it out i would say gangrel clan book is a surefire a how much was it you we got it off that six dollars i'm telling you you have six bucks if you have six bucks get that gangrel clan book yeah it's great quality, it's worth it great artwork uh and it's worth a read even even if you're you're never going to use any of the information you're you're like i know it all i got the revised i'm good it's a great read. You got the revised. You don't have the full picture. I'll tell you that point blank. You have a glimpse. And why I say a glimpse is because remember, I want you to look at this way. When they revised it, they all got in a boardroom and said, we're not going to rewrite what we've already written. They've already read that. We need to give more. People wanted more detail. They need more fleshing out. They need things to click together better. So let's make that. And so they made that, which means they gave head nods to all the old info. They did not say that the previous clan book was invalid. They didn't. They just revised it right they updated the information you absolutely needed to get the full story it's good so yeah i would definitely check it out uh let me pull up our one note here and see what our next podcast is looking like next week is chicago by night second edition yeah it's not so this is this is after the uh yep a blood under a blood red moon so this is going to be a complete revised edition. Um, you may remember uh, a number of weeks back we did Chicago by Night. It was like the fourth or fifth book yeah. released. And uh, now we're 10 or 11 books later. And some things have happened in uh, what you'd call kind of the meta plot, the, uh, the canon of Chicago by Night. Really, they just, they just it's what happened after the war and they update it. Yeah, that's it. It's the first city by night book I've owned. I, I got them in reverse. I got this book first. Right. It shows. I almost know that book by heart. Yeah. yeah. That's the terrible aspect. Well, what happens when you run a game that's set in a specific city off and on for 10 to 15 years? You tend to learn that book pretty well. So uh, it probably won't be as long of a podcast as this one. 
but that's just because we're kind of giving you updates. And right, right, we're just gonna. I won't get. We won't get into it. But we'll discuss it more. But off the cuff, we're probably just gonna update the story and then get into the characters. It's really what folks yeah. really are looking to hear, and that's like that, that. Dichotomy has to be there. So yeah, and uh, you know, send us your questions. We'll we'll uh, we'll occupy a large quantity of time answering some good questions from our listeners. And that's any questions. <laughs> Even this, the swimming question was a good question. It was just easy to answer. That's all. Uh, also, uh, you know, don't, don't feel like you can't send us criticism. Not, not that I'm asking for people to hate on us by any means, but if you enjoy something about the podcast and perhaps we do something that you don't particularly find appealing, let us know. We're just people. We're people and we're here expressing opinions and, uh, you know, I said, I'd do it and I'm going to, um, I feel that if in any way I've dis- disparaged Dungeons and Dragons, I want you to know that I've been a fan since I was 14. I've played it as much as I could, but I feel you graduate, right? And let me explain this real quick. Dungeons and Dragons was fantastic to get me used to a fantasy setting, playing a character. It- it's the training wheels of role playing, right. I feel. It is our gateway drug. Everybody learned on Dungeons and Dragons because the dice concept, the dungeon master, and all that other stuff. And I'm. I'm an adult talking about G.I. Joe, right? That's what we're talking about, <laughs> essentially, right? Right. You know, I'm talking about the toys I had as a kid, and that's when I mentioned Dungeons and Dragons. I, to, to some, I'm shitting on it, because some of you are still fans of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Um, I fell off because, to me, they when you keep reinventing the wheel around a concept that was fine several times, you lose me right. as a person, because obviously you're trying to do, you're trying to create some opus that we're never going to have. Right. However, vampire has and always will be something that is in in depth embedded in horror films. Yeah. It is is iconic. Um, you get to role play these entities, not just you get to be them, not say you're one of them. Right, and that's the difference. And to me, when you look at all the D and D is and leveling up and getting that going, some people like that. Some people yeah. want to get there, have a goal, it's already planned out, and then they go and play the thing. Me, I like to play a video game. Right, it's the same thing. Right, is that. It's a linear story. It's plot hammered. I can get all that there. Right. However, in Vampire, you don't know from session to session, night to night, how things are going to go because welcome to life in the world of darkness. It's breathing. It's evolving. It's it's where adults play. That's, that's it, what I it's feel. It's grounded in, in reality. And uh, I, I feel like it's necessary to say, too, like, if we are critical of something that you like, we're not being critical of you. This is literally just the opinion of two guys who decided to buy some microphones and have a podcast. So, you know, don't take offense to anything that we say. Take it for what it is. It's just our opinion, and you're entitled to have them. And don't think for a minute that we're in any way different than you. You haven't been in our apartment. <laughs> you haven't seen the stuff on our walls. Our, our, you know, we're we're right there with you. And chances are, if it's something that you really, really love, We've done it. It just wasn't for us or it was for us at a different time. And it's just not for us now. So, you know, don't don't take any of that stuff to heart. And again, realize we're just here sharing our opinion. We've not been made authorities by anyone but ourselves. Yeah. And and actually, that's the most important. I am my own authority. And what I say is valid. <laughs> I, I'm not it's even true. laughing because it's, it's true because nothing you're going to say is going to deter that. Nothing. Nothing. I'm going to. However, let me say this. We can have a discussion on any topic you like. Yeah. And views vary. Like I have, I have friends who are diehard Dungeons and Dragons players will never not be who it kind of saddens me a little bit, uh, only because I want them to, to kind of move up, but they're happy where they're at. See what I'm saying? Right. And so I let them be where they are. 
and that's and that's it. And they're cool. We're still friends. No big deal. It's just right. I don't care about what dragon you slew for right. the hundredth time. But at the end of the day, we're all gamers. We're all in this together, one way or the other. Uh, you know, there's tons of people that love Warhammer, love it, spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on it. And I think it's an exercise in futility. I don't get it. I don't care about it at all. But at the end of the day, we're still all gamers. So point is I can invest in storytelling because a story can be told from several different perspectives, the same story, and it'd be different every time you hear it. And that becomes special. That becomes very, very special to those who said it. And you can bond over how well those stories are told. If I play a module and why I shit on modules is because they're the same every time. And when it's the same every time and the same encounter every time, the same type of thing every time, you know what you do? Something else. Right, exactly. So anyways, enough of our soapbox. We really appreciate you listening. Definitely go check out our Patreon. We'd love to have some patrons. If you're interested, sign up. Uh, We also are still running our GoFundMe. We're nearly halfway to our goal. We're going to keep that GoFundMe running until the end of April. So please help us to get to where we need to be to give our friend back his computer, replace our broken one that's sitting on the floor like a desiccated metal corpse, and continue to run this podcast for you. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Mm.